Oh, we're talking about a very important songwriter. His name is Nick Lowe, British guy, a guy I have a lot of respect for, not only for songwriting, but for producing some amazing records, including some early punk stuff out of England and things like that that I love. Uh, Nick Lowe is an interesting guy. He, he, he's, you don't hear much from him. He's kind of quiet, low-key, but, but he really, you know, he has a lot of fans. He has a big cult following. Um, and he, you know, started out in kind of a power pop direction, but then now he's kind of like a singer songwriter with more of like roots music out of America kind of sound country ish stuff that he's done. He's done, uh, you know, I like a lot of his, his material. Um, he started out in the late sixties, uh, and continues to make music today though he has slowed down quite a bit he had a connection for a while with the with the cash family uh, johnny and and june because he was married to june's daughter okay oh wow. so we, yeah 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 i'll talk about that later uh but nick Lowe also played in a band called rock pile all right which was really a uh it might be worth it to even do a whole show on rock pile i'm, I'm not sure but but they were very influential on what would be kind of the new wave scene, later punk new wave scene in the 70s coming out of England. Because you had Dave Edmonds, 
who our next rock show is going to be about. And uh, he was in the band and there were two other members and they put out about four or five albums. Um, interestingly, they, there's only one album that's done under the name rock pile because they used, they were on different labels and they used, they used them as solo records, either for Dave Edmonds or for Nick Lowe, but they were essentially rock pile records and they had a big cult following. They, they played here in the States quite a bit. Um, unfortunately, I never got to see them. They broke up by early eighties. Um, but you talk to guys that are a little bit older than me and everybody went to see rock pile at the Ritz. It was always a big deal when they would come. So, but yeah, uh, you familiar with Nick Lowe at all? Like cruel to be kind was the only hit he ever had in America. That's what I remember him for was cruel to be kind, which was a very catchy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pop song. It was, and you know, he was a, a, a kind of a power pop guy. Uh, you know, he had an edge to him. He wasn't, it wasn't sappy seventies shit. You know, it was, it was like, you know, a nice little edge to it. And, uh, you know, he, he never really broke big in America, but in England, he, he had, you know, top 10 stuff. Yeah. They were saying that was reading some of that bio that they put up for him. And yeah, he had some top 10 stuff over there. Uh, and also, um, the guy was uh play a few instruments too. Like he was, oh, yeah. you know. He no, he's multi. He, you know, he, he played bass in rock pile, and then he played play guitar as well. Okay, and he could sing. And uh, and the guy was connected to like Elvis Costello, the the imposter, Johnny Cash, Little Village. Well those are guys stuff. those are those are bands that he produced for. Yeah. He he, he 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 to me he's he's equally talented producing as he is, you know, performing. Yeah. Yeah, really which is kind of a unique thing. You don't see that too much. Okay. Oh, yeah. So all right, so getting into it here. Now he was born Nicholas Drain. Low, his middle name was Drain. Okay, yeah, March 24th, 1949. And he was born in the uh, Surrey section of England. Um, he attended a, a private school called the Woodbridge School in the Suffolk area. Uh, he began his musical career in 1967 when he was about 18 years old. Uh, he joined a band called Kippington Lodge, and oh, yeah, with a British, you know. Uh, yeah. Kippington Lodge, and then they would later. Uh, well, it was it was with a, a a friend of his, a very close friend named Brinsley Schwartz. Okay, and they released a few singles under the Kippington Lodge name, but then they would change their name to Brinsley Schwartz. Okay, which I guess was interesting enough. Okay, a name like that. Um, that was in 1969. They did that. And it's very interesting because the label they were on was called Parlophone, which was a medium kind of label, not not too big, but big. And um, they would they would kind of try to push them with like a to start them under this new name, Brinsley Schwartz. They they pulled a publicity stunt, and what they did is they flew. This was a British band, and they flew the band and British journalists out to New York city. This was 1969 to the Fillmore East of, oh, used to be on second Avenue. Okay. In the yeah. East Village. And, uh, they just announced there's this band. Okay. And they, they had them do their debut gig at the Fillmore. 
which was a big deal in those days. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, pretty huge. Okay. Especially the, 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 the film wasn't around too long, but for the short time that they were there, they made a huge impression on everybody. You know, so many people went through that. But think about it. They, they played there. They did this whole con. They got the journalists. And, and the like, thing oh is, God. it bombed. It it it, it just bombed. Okay. <laughs> but I don't know the details. You know exactly. But it's like it didn't go over well. So they had to go back home, tail between their legs, and kind of start out. And uh, I, I think they thought maybe if they do a big gig at the Fillmore, which was a medium-sized kind of place. Okay, not a small club, but it was a little bit, you know, not a large like Mass Square Garden, but it was medium. Maybe they figured if they could play there, they wouldn't have to start out in the pubs and stuff like that in England. Didn't work out. So what they had to do, like every other band, is just slug it out in the bars, in the small clubs in London and other sections of England. And they actually grew a following, uh, despite that bad, you know, mistake. Um they got popular, uh, and at least on the, the, the live circuits. Uh, one song that uh, Nick wrote at that time was called What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding. Okay. And that would be a big hit for Elvis Costello about 10 yeah, years later, in 1979. Okay. That's a huge hit, Mike. Yeah, yeah. But Nick did it first. And you can, you know, it was released as a Brinsley Schwartz song. You can hear it. It's very oh, wow. similar. It's a little, it's it's a slightly slower tempo, a little, a little, uh, I don't know. It, it has more of a 60s kind of feel to it than, than Costello's 70s feel to it. Okay. But it's still the same song and it's still great. Um, yeah, but the, one, the one that we got Costello. Uh, that's Elvis, the one everybody knows. Yeah, that's the one everybody played because I, I probably heard the, the, the other one like once or twice, but the one he yeah. always hear it was like yeah. Elvis Costello, you know? And the, another song that he wrote at that time with Brinsley Schwartz was Cruel to Be Kind, yeah, which be would kind. be another big hit for him in 1979. He would re-record it, okay? And he'd have, that would be his only hit in America. It was like top 20, I believe, okay? Wow. Uh, and a very early video. I don't know if you remember. Uh, they used to play that video a lot in the early days of MTV. It's like him. He's getting married. Okay. And he's yeah, yeah. wearing a tuxedo and all. It, like everybody's playing in, in the band. This is a goofy, goofy early kind of video. But it was an early promo video that, that MTV used to show. I'll get into that later when we get up to that point. But um, funny was some of those videos were awful. When you uh, watch them today, they were awful. <laughs> But they're great because it did. It, 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 they weren't really trying to have a big meaning behind it or anything like that. It just was like either be funny or just show bands playing at you know at their best. You know, I mean, it, I nobody knew what to do. Well, that big country that song was a big hit, but MTV was already in place at that point. You know, yeah. when, when "Cruel to Be Kind" came out, MTV was just starting i think it had already yeah. i think that video existed before mtv to be honest with oh, you yeah. and then I, they just, I think what they i think what they did was they needed to get videos so and they got all yeah. kinds of shit whatever it was yeah. well remember mtv used to take anything when they started and then they they yeah. also had no commercials when they started so they needed to fill that time so they would play anything that was like the only time bands 
you know, some of the, the, the lesser known bands got any airplay because they, they had to fill in that time. Once MTV got bigger, they would pick and choose. And then all of a sudden you had to be good looking and cute and you know, all that shit. It was ruined. It was ruined by 84 MTV, <laughs> my opinion. But, um, Interestingly, uh, Cruel to Be Kind and uh, What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding, uh, they were co-written with Brinsley Shores himself uh, and Ian Gom. Okay. Uh, now, after leaving the band in 1975, Nick Lowe began playing bass with Rockpile. And that was a band that was put together with uh, Dave Edmonds, Billy Bremer, and Terry Williams. Okay. Uh, kind of a pub rock, rockabilly sound, power pop sound. Uh, yeah. That was a big, big influence on what would be known as new wave music in a few years. Now, in August of 76, Lowe released the song So It Goes, which is one of my favorite songs from him. Uh, yeah. It's a first single on the brand new label called Stiff Records. Okay. And Stiff Records was was known as uh, one of the first like punk labels out of England, uh, and they also had a great motto. It's like if it's if it's not stiff, it ain't worth a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So and then you know you, they gave stickers out with that on it and everything like that, and you know, but the Stiff was you know Elvis Costello signed to Stiff in '77. The Damned were on Stiff. Uh, you know, many of these new up-and-coming people in the mid-'70s would at least have something out on that label, all right? Uh, very cool. If anybody's interested, there's a very cool box set of Stiff Records material out there that you should get. It's like four CDs or something like that of, of everything. Um, yep, yep, yep. Now, the single... And the label for So It Goes was was funded by a $400, excuse me, 400-pound loan by Dr. Feelgood's Lee Brillo, okay? Dr. Feelgood is a band that was very big in England on the pub scene, and they kind of financed Stiff a little bit on the side at the beginning. Um, now, the label's very first EP was Nick Lowe's 1977 four-track EP called Bowie, all right? Now, he spelled it B-O-W-I. Yeah. And it was kind of like a joke because David Bowie on, I think he was on Columbia Records at the time. I could be wrong. I think it was Columbia. Released his album Lowe, okay? So he re Nick Lowe released an album called Bowie as a joke, okay? And uh, it, in in nineteen, and also what would happen is, Lowe would get involved with producing with uh, with Stiff Records, and wow. be the kind of like in house producer for a while. He produced um, a band called The Rumor, um, and he called their album Max, and that was in response to Fleetwood Max's album called Rumors. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody was kind of fucking with everybody a little bit there on the music scene, you know. He was just he was just rolling with his boy. You know, uh, in '77 he also produced Doctor Feelgood's album "Be Seeing You," uh, which included the song "That's It, I Quit." He wrote that. Okay, uh, "Private Practice" was the next 
Dr. Feelgood album that, that he was involved with. And it included the song Milk and Alcohol, okay, that was written by Nick Lowe and Jippy Mayo, okay, another British character. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that. That was. Yeah. He wrote that. Yeah, yeah, he wrote that. Now, this song, and um, I Love the Sound of Breaking Glass, are the only song. two, yeah, are only the two low compositions to reach the top 10 of the uk single charts okay so uh he, he you know he, he had you know early on he had some hits in england that would kind of you know the rock pile stuff would get in the middle of that but he really you know went on he, he would he would you know his time was spent between producing and performing okay now because the two main like, singers... Think of the songs, think of the song he just mentioned, like, like uh, uh, Kill To Be Caught and, uh, and the, the, I Love The Sound Of Breaking. These are very catchy songs, man. I mean, these are yeah. like, you listen oh. to the radio and you can get into it right away. Very yeah. catchy. Yeah. No, it, it's simple, simple hooks and, 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 you know, catchy lyrics and, you know, you can't, you can't help, you, you, you know, you learn the words the first time you hear it. It's like, you can't help yeah. it. You can't help not liking these songs. It's such a catchy, like break the glass. You say that now. I got that. Hit. I got that. In my head. Oh, break yeah. the glass. And that had a that had almost like a funky kind of sound to it. It was a little different yeah. than what he was doing. Uh, I kind of like it when I hear it. You know, it's a, it's a good tune. You know what's weird? That song is like an upper. It's not a song that's gonna like if you're a little if you don't have like a kick to your step, you listen to the song, you feel a little better, and you know you want to move around. It wasn't. It's almost like a thing that you can start dancing right away. Yeah, yeah, you get up and start dancing to it, right? I now that, that song has to be international almost. Break the glass. Have I ever heard of that international? I don't know. Oh yeah, it could yeah. Is it on one of the playlists? Yeah. It's on one of the playlists. Yeah. I've heard so. I've heard so. It goes. Molly. That was one of Molly's playlists. Yeah. Uh, maybe sound. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Now, because the two main singers in Rockpile, Dave Edmonds and Nick Lowe, had recording contracts with different labels, they had different managers. Okay. Uh, the albums were always credited to either one. Okay. Uh, Lowe or Edmonds. So there's really only one official rock pile album. That's 1980s uh, Seconds of Pleasure. And it was not released until uh, kind of like the waning days of rock pile. It didn't come out right away. Um, it featured the low song When I Write the Book and a song called Heart. And however, two of the pair's most significant albums from the period Nick Lowe's Labor of Lust and Edmund's Repeat When Necessary were effectively rock pile records, but they were released as solo records. So Cruel to Be Kind is on Labor of Love, a uh, Labor of Lust, excuse me. Okay. But it's really a rock pile record, but it's done under the title Nick Lowe. I don't know why they couldn't really get it together to 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 do it. I don't know why. Maybe it was to just Keep the record contracts in line. You know, you you owe you know you, you owe so many records. Probably, probably. Um, yeah, they probably kind of strange though. The whole, they probably didn't want to go the whole legal thing. You know, we call it a rock problem. We got contract with this guy, that guy. So you know what? They probably, and they probably had to deal with how many records they each had to release. You know. Yeah, yeah. Now it was at this point in '79. When he got involved with Carlene Carter, okay, uh, they would end up getting married that year. 
she was the daughter of June Carter and the stepdaughter of Johnny Cash. So Ju June Carter was married before, had a kid. That, that was Carleen Carter. Uh, and Nick produced her album, Musical Shapes, that year. Um, also, that 79 was a very good year for him. He had the, the Rock Pile record. He had uh, uh, the hit with Cruel to Be Kind. And he was working with Carleen Carter. Um, Labor of Lust actually went gold in Canada in 1979. He got an award for that. Um, now, unfortunately, the marriage between... Calling Carter and him wouldn't last. They they would break up by 1990, but uh, for the for the 11 years that they were together, he got very close with Johnny Cash. He would produce. Uh, it was a song called "Without Love," okay, that Nick wrote for him, okay, and it's a great Johnny Cash song uh, from a period of when Johnny was kind of struggling with record labels and trying to sell in the early 80s. It's it's a great tune. Uh, he produced that for him and wrote it. Um, now he would also adopt Colleen Carter's daughter, Tiffany Anastasia as his own kid when he did marry Colleen. Uh, and he remained close with the whole family, even after the, the marriage fell apart. Um, if you remember the video for cruel to be kind, it's like a wedding going on. It's goofy stuff going on. Yeah. That was actually filmed at their wedding. Oh yeah. They used, they, they just worked it into it somehow. They, took some time from the wedding to shoot the video that, that he was wearing that blue and white, you know, frilly tuxedo that people used to wear. Right? You, know? <laughs> and, you know, she's in a regular wedding dress and he, you know, he, they, they're like running around and the, the other guys in the band are doing goofy stuff. But yeah, um, I remember that. That, was yeah, video. that was their actual, that was their actual wedding. They got married that day. Wow. Yeah. Now after the demise of rock pile, which would be about 1980 or so, uh, Nick Lowe toured for a period of time with a band called Noise to Go and later with a band called The Cowboy Outfit. Uh, it included the noted keyboard player Paul Carrick. Uh, Lowe was also a member of the short lived studio projects uh, Little Village, okay, was a project with John Hyatt and Rye Cooter, two blues guys, and a guy named Jim Keltner. I don't even know this band, Little Village. Never heard no, of it. No, it, it, it didn't really go anywhere. Um, I think they, they might have put out uh, the one album, uh, and they were involved kind of with um, – it was really as a John Hyatt record. I don't know if you heard of John Hyatt. Uh, yeah, he was like kind of a blues guy. Um, he had an album in 1987 that Nick worked on called Bring the Family. Okay. Now, in 1990, he wrote a song called Who Was That Man? about a guy who died in the King Cross fire. And that was a, the King Cross fire was an incident that happened in the London subway system in 1987. It was a massive fire at a station that killed some people. Um, wow. In 1992, the song, What's So Funny About Peace, Love and Understanding was recorded once again uh, by Curtis Steigers for the album track of, my, of The Bodyguard, the Kevin Costner movie which was a big hit with Whitney Houston. Okay. And that soundtrack actually sold 44 million copies. So wow. he, he, he definitely pulled some bankroll on that, you know? Um, then, you know, one thing about Nick is that his attitude towards his music, especially at this point, like in the nineties, uh, was he didn't want to get pigeonholed into just being like, I got a bunch of old songs from the seventies that, 
you know, I wrote maybe other people had bigger hits with them. Okay. But, uh, I, I don't want to just be an oldies act. So what he did is he started getting interested in American blues music. And I think that kind of started by the eighties, uh, being married to the, into the, the, the cash family. Okay. Yeah. I think he got, he always had a country influence, even going back to, uh, Brinsley Schwartz kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but they, they, they were like punk and rock, but there was a little blues and that little country yeah. feel. Yeah, I think, and and I think he appreciated that kind of music. But by the nineties, he delved into it a lot deeper, and he started putting out these very interesting records that were like combinations of blues, country, R and B, and pop. Um, it, it, he would put out this stuff, and it always kind of made him sound contemporary. For some reason, okay, which was which was good, didn't sell a lot, but you know it was it was good for him. He didn't care. Um, there was an album that came out in two thousand and seven uh, called "At My Age," which is a perfect example of what I said, uh, kind of like a combination of all that. Uh, he was on a label called Yep Records at that point, uh, and also uh, there was a label called Proper Records that was re-releasing his stuff at that time. Yeah. Um, in 2008, it was the 30th anniversary of his first album. In England, That's it was wild. called right. In, in in England, it was called "The Jesus of Cool," and in America, it had a different title because they thought that that wouldn't be too good to be called in America. So they called that album "Pure Pop for Now People." Okay, my vinyl says "Pure Pop for Now People" on it. You know? It doesn't say "Jesus of Cool." No, no. Yeah, but now they proper records re-released, uh, you know, set with this on CD in uh, 2008 for the anniversary, which was a combination of both versions because the 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 power pop, the pure pop for, for now people had some different tracks than the British mm. version. So they put it together and they added some bonus tracks. It's a very nice collection. That's some of his best stuff. From the seventies, okay. Wow. The stuff that he came out in seventy eight, seventy nine is just the best. Yeah, okay. it's a big album too because it's forty nine tracks. Well, yeah, because you got, you got both versions with bonus tracks. I think yeah. there might be some live stuff on there too. Wow. Um, right, and it was also a CD DVD combination. I think there was some video stuff involved with it that you could watch. He was on like Top of the Pops with doing So It Goes yeah. and all that and everything. Um, now proper records released also um in 2009 in march of that year they he released a a best of okay called quiet please the new best of nick Lowe. and it was a wow. combination of of his old stuff from so it goes and all that to new stuff he was doing which was a little different okay so it was a nice it was a nice anthology of where he was at at that point without having to buy all all the stuff now yeah, in September of twenty, I like when bands do that because sometimes you, yeah. sometimes you don't want to go out and buy an album if you're not sure. You know, at least I was like that. You know, like yeah, now it's different. Like yeah, it's different with all the downloads now. You could pick and choose. You, know, you everything's on YouTube. You could just check it out usually before you buy it. You know, yeah. But but in those days, you sometimes you just were like, you know, I'm not sure where he's at right now, if I'm going to like everything. So let me just get kind of like a best of. And that 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 was what I would do, you know. And uh, September 2010, the Yep Rock label issued um, a couple of records, uh, The Impossible Bird, Dig My Mood, 
and uh, the convincer. These were records he had out in the early eighties and stuff. They would be put on vinyl for the first time. All right. Wow. As vinyl was starting to make a comeback in 2010. Um, it's amazing how much vinyl has made a com comeback, like a real big comeback. Man. Um, even, yeah. even some people are listening to CDs again. I think people are tired of the of the download. Oh. You know, you don't get nothing with it. It's just, and maybe the quality, sound quality is not great. Because they, you know, when you download you something, something, it's physical. You want something right. physical, too. Exactly. Right? I, I mean, that's I've always been that way. I mean, if I like an album, I'm gonna go buy it. All right, I don't want I don't want to just have it sitting somewhere and I gotta find it and who knows where it is on my files, whatever. You know, it's like you know, to me, it's no fun. There's not there's it, it was always fun. I mean, vinyl was the best because I've said this a million times. You know, you you like you say it's tangible, but it's big. You might there might be something in there. You might look at the picture and catch something funny in there. You know, or a poster inside. You know that that's people are starting to realize that that was the way to do things. Again, you know, hopefully it stays that way. The only thing I don't like about it is they they price it up too much because they it's really more of a it's more for us older people. Even though kids are getting into it, but they know older people are buying it, so they're charging a lot. Some of these vinyl re-releases are like forty bucks. Yeah, it's crazy. Man, I can't I can't do that. You know, but reversely, what they've been doing is they've been using very high quality vinyl, like that one hundred and eighty gram stuff. Okay, where you feel the weight on that thing. That's a night you can't break that record. That's a, you know, by the by the 80s with the with the uh, gas crisis, they were starting to use shit vinyl. And if you if you remember, sometimes you could even bend bend the record, you know, yeah. and yeah, it was it was garbage. Okay, it wouldn't last, and uh, that was because of the energy crisis. So remember, people, wow. a lot a lot of things are made from petroleum, not just your gasoline. Okay, records are made yeah. from that. Okay, now um, at this point, after these these re-releases, he did a uh, kind of like one-off little tour with Elvis Costello in October of 2010, uh, and it was in San Francisco. Uh, he did the, one of the gigs, and it was at that point he said, "I'm going to do a, a tour of my own," and it was kind of like the first tour he had done in the 21st century, really of the of the uh, of the U.S. on any big scale. Um, his backing band consisted of uh, Geraint Watkins on keyboards, Robert Traherne on drums, Johnny Scott on guitar, Matt Radford on bass. Okay, and in March of 2011, Yep Rock re-released the 1979's solo album *Labor of Love* once again. Uh, *Labor*, I keep saying *Labor of Love*, *Labor of Lust*. Sorry, on. Uh, on vinyl and everything. I think it was a full, full off re-release. Um, 2011 low played the Glastonbury Scotland festival. Okay. Uh, interestingly, they had a, it's one of these festivals that has like different stages. There's more than one stage to see things. And he had, before he was going to go on, um, with the, the main stage, he did like a short little solo st set on the smaller stage, which was the stage was called the Spirit of 71. So it was kind of like the 40th anniversary of the 1971 Glastonbury Festival where Brinsley Schwartz played. Okay. So he did like about four or five songs from Brinsley Schwartz on that stage and then left and did a whole show of his own stuff. Um, October 29th of 2013, he releases his first Christmas album, okay, called Quality Street. Uh, that was also on Yep Rock Records. 
And um, he performed two songs. A Christmas album. Is that like just like an album for them to, they didn't have nothing and they just needed to like put something out as your Christmas album? Because I feel like it's a throwaway it, it album. Can, it, it can album. be. It can be sometimes, but if you think about it, I think it's a great move for any band. You know what? You know why? Because if you have a hit, that song comes back every year. Okay, and you'll you'll have you'll have constant people buying your records forever. Okay, look at um. I mean, Michael you know, Moulet got a great Christmas album. I love it. Who? Mike Moulet, the Canadian single. Oh single. yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, I mean, people put out. Oh, I mean, look at Mike I don't know the guy. I don't, I don't know who he is, but but uh, in the last couple of years, you saw some funny ones, like Twisted Sister put out one, okay? <laughs> and it, it's actually okay. All right, you know, they do, like, silver bells and shit like that. <laughs> Come, all ye faithful, you know? And, and, and you know, but but every year, if you have a hit, it comes back, you know? So it's it's a good idea, you know? Um, now, uh, oh, it, is, it is Michael Moulet. Michael Moulet. Okay, yeah, great, great I have to check that out. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure who he is. Um, he now, you know who else got a <laughs> the guy that did the family guy? He got a great Christmas album, really. Have you ever heard it? He no. does that. My kind of make my ZZ. It's a Christmas um, it's fantastic. Check that out. He I, does a great, yeah. See, a lot of people put out a Christmas record, so people do it as a joke. Check it out, man. It's a great album. Okay, okay. Uh, he would perform two songs from that Christmas album on uh, December 7th of 2013 on the NPR radio show, uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Um, then by spring of 2019, a few years later, uh, he went on tour in both the UK and the United States with the American instrumental rock band Los Straight Jackets. Very good band. Uh, I remember when that happened. Um, in June of 2019, he played the Glastonbury Festival once again. Um, that's pretty much where we're at now because COVID threw a monkey wrench into the world after that. Yeah. One thing I want to mention is his, his producing. And, uh, it's very important. Like I said in the beginning, I think his, his producing career is just as important as his performing. Um, his early kind of like rough and ready productions that he would do earned him the nickname, the basher. That's what he was nicknamed at, especially at stiff records. Um, he would basically basically tell performers, listen, just bash it out, we'll record it, and we'll fix it in the studio. Just just play your hardest. Okay. Now, beginning at Stiff Records, when he was working there, uh, he was involved with some very uh benchmark productions, really like for what was going on at the time in the punk scene. Uh he produced the English very first English punk single, which was New Rose by the Damned. That was on Stiff Records. And he also yeah, produced yeah. the uh, debut album from them called Damn, Damn, Damned. One of the greatest albums of all time, in my opinion. Uh, he also then in 77 got involved with Elvis Costello. Okay. And he produced all his records between 77 and 81, including My Aim is True, This Year's Model, and Armed Forces, which, you know, Costello had that big hit with uh, What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding on those albums. And, uh, at that time and and that's his best stuff as far as i'm concerned elvis costello was that early nick low period yeah, that, that was his best stuff there was another guy that i like also named reckless eric who uh nick low produced he had that song uh whole wide world which was a big hit in england um there's also a song called take the cash 
off that reckless Eric record. That's great. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, now other people pretenders. Wow. Yeah. He, he, he was going to say he produced the pretenders, uh, I believe stop your sobbing single. Okay. He worked with Graham, Graham Parker. He worked, like I said earlier, with Dr. Feelgood, Johnny Cash. Uh, he worked with his wife, Colleen Carter. Um, and from 1982 to 85, he produced Paul Carrick, John Hyatt, and also the fabulous Thunderbirds. Remember them? Wow. Yeah. 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 Um, so he really has this interesting career where he kind of had this performing aspect to it which with, with some great songs. But he would also write and produce for other people. And so, you know, I, I got a feeling he probably made more money producing and writing than he ever did in his own, own stuff. But doesn't matter. He's, you know, he's a great talent. Uh, and I hope he comes around soon. I I, I, I saw him once in the uh, in the 80s, um, but uh, at the old Ritz. But, um, yeah, it was. Just... Something funny? Look at um, which, which other guy did that, which group did that. Ava pretty much did that. After a while, they became songwriters for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, ABBA gave up their, their performing and just yeah. concentrate. You know, the two guys uh, concentrated on song, you know, songwriting and producing, and they went they're on right, for. They're, they're like Nick Lowe, the producer. They write songs and the songs to write. You're like, oh shit, I can't believe they did that. You're like, bug it out. I can't believe yeah. they wrote that. I can't believe. Yep. So this guy's doing a lot of stuff with other people. Is he almost like another guy that did that was. David Bowie did that on a much, much higher level. Okay. Yeah. You know, he Bowie, I don't know where that guy had his energy, especially through the seventies and eighties, man. Well, it must've been all the cocaine, but, but you know, he, he, he really could pull a song out of his ass and just give it to somebody and, you know, they'd have a hit with it, you know? Yeah. It's amazing how he did that. It's magic. Like, you know, yeah. he, Something and producing the next thing. Number one hit. Same thing like Abba. Those guys did Abba who write songs. Oh, who wrote that? Oh, it was the guy. Who? Abba. And those are the disco people. It was funny, man. Abba's a great band. Uh, It's like, you know. It's a great documentary on HBO. Did you ever see the Abba documentary on HBO? No. Oh, it was fantastic. They had a really good documentary. If you look up HBO, look up HBO. They have a great documentary on Abba. It was fantastic. You think think it's on the HBO Max app? Yeah, it should be. That's what I saw. I saw the HBO Max app. It was really good. It was like an hour and change was fantastic. All right, I'll and check that. They're talking about even the guy from Detroit that pretty much old Chicago. Was it Chicago where they burned all the records? Oh yeah, in the, the ba- in, in the stadium, in the stadium, in the stadium, yeah. in the field. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great story. Yeah. All right, all right so that's Nick Low. That's Nick Low. So how can people get to you, Mike? How can people reach out? Okay, uh, Rocker Mike. 212 on Instagram, Rocker Mike 212 on Twitter, Rocker Mike uh, on Clout Hub and MeWe. I'm also Rocker Mike on Getter, Rocker Mike on Truth Social. I'm Rocko Mike on Facebook, Rocko Mike. And then also there's the Rock Show podcast group page on Facebook that we have that's doing very well. Um, we probably, by the time this is up, hopefully we'll have some information about Substack. Uh, I'm going to try to work on that as well. We're working on a possible newsletter, things like that. Hopefully by the time you see this show, we'll have that all up. Um, Next week, we got next rock show in two weeks. We've got Dave Edmonds, who was an important part to Nick Lowe's career because he 
played in Rockpile with him. But Edmonds had a great career as a producer as well uh, and, and a performer. So it's kind of like two very similar guys back to back. Yeah, that's okay. You always do stuff like that. You always think either people are very similar or people that work together or, or every show connects to the other show, which is great. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know how I do it, but I do it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how I do it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's rough, man. <laughs> All right, Mike. So if anybody wants to reach out to me, you can reach me out at um, Getting Lumped Up. Anything Getting Lumped Up, the Getting Lumped Up YouTube channel, Getting Lumped Up on Facebook, Getting Lumped Up on Instagram. And send me some lines if you got any suggestions or stuff what we can do on the show. Send us a line. If you have complaints, we have the Getting Lumped Up complaint department. You can also send them a line. So wherever if, you want to reach them. If you hear, if you hear a mistake, let me know. All right. I don't like to yeah. be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> send us, send us, send us if, we, if we make a mistake. Which uh, I, I think sometimes we'll get lumped up. And, and we'll oh, yeah. You, ne you never know with us. You know, you never know. <laughs> One of us might do the whole show wasted and you don't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, people. After that, thank you. Have a great week. And remember, don't get drunk. Get lumped up, people. See you next week, people. Have a good one. The only podcast you will hear That will be music to your ear You'll learn about bands you love or may not know and it's only here on The Rock Show